welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. And to our American friends who are confused, yes, our Thanksgiving is in October. Uh, I had plans uh, this week to start our series in uh, looking through the life of Abraham. Uh, and then, then I felt God kind of give me an audible. He called another play. And so we're going to kind of take things in a different direction. And because it is Thanksgiving here in Canada, I thought that um, we would take a moment and pause and reflect. That's the Hebrew word. If you see in your reading through Psalms, you see the word Selah. That's what it means. It means pause and reflect. And I thought that's what we could do this morning is have a, a Selah moment. Um, and we just pause and reflect on all that God's done for us, all that he's done in us and, and, to, and to us and through us uh, in order that we would rise up in praise and thanksgiving. And, you know, it's, it's times where it's easy to praise. Right, it's easy to be thankful to God when maybe you get a new job or you get a pay raise or a promotion. Um, you know, we just celebrated the the arrival of of Cohen and Eric safely, and so we celebrate the birth of a child or or maybe the start of a new exciting relationship, be it romantic or a friendship. Uh, maybe maybe you put on the fall jacket for the first time and you reach into your pocket and you find a twenty dollar bill. Uh, we don't do that anymore because we don't carry cash as much, but maybe you did that, right? You know, that's exciting. It's, it's exciting when you get green lights all on your drive, right? Those are our wonderful moments and we can praise God for that and they're easy to do so. But I want you to know that's not been the week that we've had in the Gilbert home. This has not been one of those easy weeks. We've been battling illness and sickness for most of the week. Uh, we've had extended family members going into the hospital and uh, my mom's broken her ankle. My dad had pneumonia and my sister continues to deteriorate in her health and, and the knowledge that things are terminal. Things are not going to get better. And, um, and then maybe the worst part of it all is you feel, you feel powerless to help. There's nothing really you can do about it. And so you just carry that grief. You just carry that sadness, which has then impacted our sleep. And so it has not been a good week in the Gilbert home. And yet we're told that in all things we're to give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, Paul gives some simple commands. He says, rejoice always, all the time, rejoice. Pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks. Not just in the good things, not in the pleasant things, not in the easy things, in everything, even the most difficult things, give thanks. Now, I believe there's a, there's a practical reason why God gives us this instruction. It's, it's not just something to be keeping us motivated, right? You've heard that phrase probably, you know, have an attitude of gratitude and, and you gotta be thankful and it just gets your, get your engine going, get you moving and, and that's sort of the mindset and the mentality. That's, I don't think that's what it is. Because it's not just meant to be motivational. Um, I think it's so that so we don't ignore the problem. I think that's sometimes what we happen is just, just be thankful things over here and ignore all these things over here. No, it's be thankful in every situation. You see, I think it's, it's foolishness to ignore reality. 
because it simply is reality. We're, we're far better off embracing that reality. And that's what I believe thankfulness ultimately does for us is it helps us to embrace the reality because what scripture's doing, if it's doing anything, is pointing us to reality. Our problem is that we only have a narrow perspective on what's real. And what we're wanting to do when we have that, that, that approach, that thanksgiving is in our heart, <coughs> we're opening up and we're seeing a wider perspective on what's real and what's true. And, and specifically, not just the reality of what's, what's beyond, but what's immediately in front of us. And so I hope this morning that we're going to be able to adopt that attitude of Thanksgiving um, beyond just the current situations. Because see, it's easy to fix your eyes on those problems. It's easy to fix your eyes on the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties. And, and then what we do is we forget about the power and the presence of God in those trials. Think about Peter, right? Peter's in this boat. Jesus is walking on the water in the middle of the storm, calls Peter out. Peter has the courage. He steps out on the water and he's walking on water. I mean, think about that. The, the dude's walking on water. Amazing. And it's incredible until when? I'm walking on water. What's going on? This isn't right. And you're right. He lost eye contact. He lost vision of Jesus. And his eyes got on the, onto the problem and the circumstances. And it began to sink. And so this, this mindset, this attitude, this thanksgiving, it doesn't ignore the problems, but it keeps your eyes fixated on Jesus. And so that's what we're wanting to do this morning is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And not just when you're going through the good things, but if you're going through the bad things as well. Now, please understand if uh, it's a recognize how hard it is when you're going through those difficult times. <clears throat> and so this morning's message, very much a reminder for me and my household as well. But if that's not you, if you're going through a pretty good time right now, having a great Thanksgiving, well, good for you. la ti da I'm happy for you. <laughs> good for you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but you know what? Sometimes even in those easy times, it's hard to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because you, you fall for that trap. I got it. I can handle it. And the reality is, apart from Jesus, you can do Nothing, nothing. Even in, the, even in the easy times, we need to trust Jesus. So this morning, I thought we would read from Psalm 100. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 100. <coughs> and I, I feel like this is a Psalm that we can't read just sitting down. And so if you would join me and stand up, we're going to read this Psalm and... Um, and then we're going to, then we're going to read it. We're going to study it. So verse one, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Lord Jesus, I, I pray this morning that our eyes will be fixated on you, that you would open up our, 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 our eyes and our hearts and our minds to what is real and what is true, that we would see all that you've done for us, all how you blessed us, 
and that our hearts would respond the only way that is possible with gratitude, with thanksgiving and praise. So we're going to trust you as we study this, this wonderful Psalm in your name, we pray. Amen. All right, grab a seat. <clears throat> well, we don't, we don't know who wrote the Psalm. Uh, some of the Psalms tells us who wrote it, uh, but this Psalm does have an opening title and you know that that opening title wasn't there just put in there by the translators or by whoever, uh, you know, put out the book, the Bible. Uh, but if it appears under the title, so it says Psalm 100 and below there, there's a title. That's actually the title given to this Psalm by the author. Now, I think some, some Bibles will have a heading over every Psalm. If that's above the number, that's just the, the translator's version of it. But below this Psalm, we see a title and it says that it's a Psalm for Thanksgiving. Now, while there's many, many psalms that have themes of giving thanks, this is the only psalm that's specifically labeled for or titled for Thanksgiving. And it's written long before Canadians and Americans decided to celebrate Thanksgiving around the time of harvest. So that's, that's not what he had in mind when he was writing this. It's really meant to be a psalm for any time of the year. But we thought this, this today would be a great time for it. Now, commentators have noted that this psalm probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to the Jews at the time when it was written. Because some of the language, some of the commands, those are things that the Jews either couldn't imagine or couldn't have done. And so really, I think that this was a prophetic psalm that was written for a time such as this. A psalm that you and I could truly sing, could truly understand way more than Israel ever could under the old covenant. And so I think that's what it makes even more special for us. And, and hopefully that becomes more apparent as we read through it. So verses one and two begin the psalm with a call, a call to worship. And it's really an instruction on how we are to worship. So verses one and two read, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful sin. So we see these, these three commands. Shout with joy. Serve with gladness. Come with singing. So let's, let's understand these three commands here. The first one there for shout is, is really could be understood as, as a battle cry. That's really what this word would often be used for. And so you think about, you know, you're in a battle. Maybe you've seen some movies like Braveheart or Gladiator and stuff, and, and you see this epic battle going on, and then the, the battle comes to a close. And what do all these warriors do? They shout, right? They've had victory and they have this battle cry of celebration. And yeah, there might be some skirmishing still going on, the, some you know, minor battles, but overall they won that war. They won, they won that, that attack. And so there's such a joy and excitement. Or, or think about maybe you're, you know, the, the Jays win a playoff series. <laughs> not this year. Maybe not next year, but one day, imagine, right? Where we celebrate and we get excited as sports fans. Or this illustration, I, I, God gave me this one and I think that's evidence that God's got a sense of humor, but he, he made me think about wrestling. You know, you think about wrestling, like Randy Macho Man Savage, I know I'm dating myself, or Hulk Hogan, right? And they, they win the, the battle, which was completely realistic and nothing staged, right? And, uh, and so they win the battle and then what do they do? They start running around the ring and they're throwing their arms up and they're all excited. And they got 20 to 30,000 Hulkamaniacs high-fiving and screaming and shouting. That's this word shout. That's the excitement they've got here. Shout with joy. 
because the battle has been won. You see, that's what we understand under the new covenant. That's what we get to celebrate. We know the battle was fought on Calvary. We know that Jesus overcame sin, overcame death, overcame shame, overcame fear, overcame your failures, overcame the separation. He won that battle for you and I. And now you and I, we get to shout with joy. And yes, there's still some scrimmages being fought here and there, but the war has been won. Jesus has won. And so we get to shout with joy in honor of all that he's done. And I think that, that what that tells us is <clears throat> when it comes to singing worship, now remember, we, we're very clear that worship is not just singing. Worship is a life. We worship God, yes, while singing, but we can worship God while we're driving, while we're working, while we're talking to one another. There's so many ways to worship God. But when you're worshiping through singing, it's okay to be expressive. Now, it's okay to not be, because you're free. That's the glory of, of the new covenant. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. And where the spirit is, there's freedom. So you're free to be you know, over the top. You're free to be quiet, but you're free to engage in worship, to shout with joy. That's what we get to do. And that's the, that first thing that we get to, that we're called to. The second one is then we're called to serve with gladness. And notice it doesn't say that God now serves us. And I think that's important, especially in our today's culture and age where too often we've kind of flipped things around now where we're sort of in charge and God's now meant to serve us. God's going to now do what I want him to do so that my life could be a bit more comfortable. And, and we recognize that's happening because how we respond to God when things don't go our way, when we didn't get the outcome we wanted, when there was a struggle or a disappointment or a difficulty and we start to wonder, well, why not, God? You owe me. And we have a, a sense of entitlement here. But the reality is, if we're serving God, then he is Lord. He is God. He is the King of Kings. We're under him. We're submitting to him. And so we're serving him in that sense. And, and sometimes we're, we're kind of like that child who thinks they're in charge of the parents. And we have to understand, no, he's the parent and we're the child. And that's okay. And we can serve him, but with gladness. And I think that last part's so important. That aspect of with gladness. It's not under compulsion. It's not a requirement. It's something that we willingly do. That's why Paul called himself a bondservant. Throughout scripture, you'll see that I'm a bondservant of Christ. What's a bondservant, you ask? Well, a servant would serve for seven years. And in that seventh year, as a slave, he would go free. That was requirement. You couldn't keep him after that unless he chose to say, in which case he would become a bond slave, a bondservant, meaning he's a servant by choice. Why would anyone do that? Because of gladness out of love. They want to be with their, their master. And so that's what happens with us now. We are bond slaves, bond servants of Christ. We're choosing to be under him. We're choosing with gladness. Why? Out of response to his love, right? We love, why? Because he first loved us. And that's why we serve. That's why we're willing to, to lay down our life for other people, for him, because we're so overjoyed with his love. And then there's the third call to worship, which is to come or enter into his presence with singing. 
And this is why I think the Jews couldn't have understood this. Right? And under the Mosaic covenant and the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, where did God live? He lived in the temple. He lived in the Holy of Holies. And only one man could enter that Holy of Holies at one point in the year. And that was the high priest could walk in there on that day of atonement, but he had to have all kinds of cleansing ceremonies before he could get in there. But he had only one person had access to it. So the idea that this invitation come into the presence of God singing, Israel, like not on your life because it will cost you my life. Right. And so that, that was the fear, but for you and I, that's not the case. That's not the case anymore. We have something far greater in the new covenant. Turn with me to Romans chapter five. That's where I think we can understand this, this old Testament Psalm so much clearer and so much better than, than the original readers could. So in, in Romans chapter five, sometimes after Genesis. All right. <clears throat> Paul writes beginning in verses one and two. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith. That word justified means to be made righteous. <coughs> you and I have been made right. You've been made acceptable. How? Because you really worked hard. Because you're really sincere. Because you were determined and you cleaned up your act and you stopped those sins and you stopped those things and you're gone. And you no longer brush your teeth with crest. You are now righteous. Is that the case? No, you and I have been justified by faith, by simply putting our faith and trust in Jesus. So what do we have now? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, you, you and I, used, we used to be enemies. We were at war with God, not because of what God did, but because our own rebellion. But now there's peace. There's no longer a battle, no longer a fight. Verse two, through whom also we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. That word there, we've obtained this introduction is a, is a phrase that really literally means we now have gained access into his courts. We're able to enter into the Holy of Holies. We're entered to, to be in front of him and notice our posture. When you stand before God, you stand. You don't hit the ground. Nose in the dirt horrible sinner you are. No, no, no. Cause you're new, a new creation. And so we stand in his presence. So this invitation come enter with singing. We have so much more. And, and you know, the, the reason that we're told to come with singing, I, I, I thought about it, you know, why, why is the significance of that? And, and I thought of a couple things. One, the first one I thought about is, how much a father or mother must love hearing the child sing. Can I get an amen, Sheila? Beautiful, right? I told the list I wasn't going to single her out this morning, so I'm not going to do that, but it was beautiful, right? Not doing it. I, I can hold off to that, right? And so there's, there's a beauty in hearing your child sing. And I think that's what God loves. Yes, even me loves to hear us sing, Right? And, and it just creates something. It creates a whole new dynamic. And so he's, he's inviting us to come enter with singing. Well, verse three now, back in Psalm 100, turn back there. And we're going to kind of see why we do this. 
What's the reason that we worship him? And in verse three, it says, know that the Lord himself is God. That is he who made us, not we ourselves. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Pasture. So notice here that the the writer highlights that God is the creator, right? We did not create ourselves. And that's important to understand again, right? That we're not the product of our own outcomes, our own choices, our own works. We didn't make ourselves. God did. God's involved in the creation of every single person. Without God, it's not going to happen. And that's why he knows the date of your conception, the date of your birth, even the date of your death. He's all figured it out because he's intimately involved in every single detail of it. And so he's the creator, not us, which also means though that, that we belong to him, that we're his possession. We rightly belong to him. And so really when we offer ourselves to him, when we give ourselves back to him for salvation, that's all it is. It's giving ourselves back to him. He already rightly has has a claim to us. He made us. He's the creator. And so you're the result of an intentional, determined act of God. He wanted you. And therefore, he's got every right over us. That next phrase that, that we are a sheep of his pasture, I think is a significant one. It's, it's that phrase, uh, sheep of his pasture, is really a, a Hebrew idiom. No, I didn't call you an idiot. It's an idiom. An idiom is basically a phrase that we use. We have lots of English ones where you don't mean it literally. For example, uh, if you talk about a coworker, they dropped the ball on that project you likely don't literally mean they dropped a physical ball unless you're on a football team, right? I mean, when we say they dropped the ball, it means they made a mistake, they failed, they they didn't complete it, you know, something along those lines. So it's a phrase, it's an idiom that isn't to be taken as literally. And that's what we have here, that we are the sheep of his pasture. Meaning we're not literal sheep and we're not literally in a pasture, but it's giving us a picture of something else. And so that, that phrase, sheep of his pasture, refers to the sheep, you and I, that the Lord personally shepherds, that he personally overlooks, that he doesn't delegate that responsibility to anyone else. Think about that. He doesn't say, all right, we're going to give you over to, to an angel. We're going to trust you to a prophet or to some holy man or some woman, and they're going to look after you, and I'm going to be over here. Oh, what does God say? You're mine. Remember in John 15, Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. Think about that. The father has control issues in some ways, in the sense that he doesn't trust anyone else. He's not going to delegate this one. He's going to say, I got it. This one's mine. And so Ivy, I'm going to be the one to prune, to trim, to care for you. Mike, I'm going to be the one that's going to be your shepherd. The one that provides for, protects, cares, comforts you. You're mine. And I don't trust anyone else with it. You're all mine. We are the sheep of his pasture. And I believe the cross is the proof of all that. Again, Jesus, God himself comes to die on that cross to be the ransom for us, 
to pay the price for us. Again, he didn't send an angel. He didn't send another man, another person. He didn't put anyone else in that place. I will be the one because I'm the only one that can be the one. That's how intimately involved he is, that he himself is our redeemer. And so what's our response to this? Verse four, he writes, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Again, the picture here is that victorious army. Right, whenever the army would return and they would, they would enter through the gates of the city, there would be praise and a parade and celebration and cheering going on. And, and that's what we're seeing. That we're entering into God's kingdom through his gates and to his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Here you and I are the conquering army, even though we didn't fight the battle. The battle was fought on our behalf by God. Just like David killed Goliath, one man, took down the giant and therefore defeated the Philistines. In response to that, the cowardly, these fearful, these deeply shamed Israeli army, they jumped up and chased the Philistines away. Well, that's what we have where, where David is Jesus and our Goliath is our sin, our shame, our fear, our insecurities, the separation, our sinfulness. And our David, Jesus, has defeated it on the cross. And the battle's won. And now we get to stand up and we get to chase away our enemy. So we thank him for the victory. That's why we have all this thankfulness. We, we thank him for all that we have. And we bless our Lord Yahweh for his goodness and his perfect love towards you and I. Which takes us, I think, perfectly into verse five. The last verse of this psalm. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. The reason that we're so thankful is not because of our circumstances. It's not because we live in, in Canada, first world country. It's not because we're included in the 1% of the richest people, not just in the world, but in all of history. It's not because we get to freely come and gather here without persecution. We worship because of who God is. The Lord, where there is Yahweh, it's his name. He is good. That word good could be understood as he's perfect. He's without flaw. He's beautiful. He's breathtaking. That's why we thank him. That's why we praise him. Not for what's out there, not for what we're experiencing, not in the good times and when everything's going wonderful. We're thankful because of who he is and that we're on his side and he's on our side. Goes on, his loving kindness is everlasting. Anytime you see that word loving kindness in the Old Testament, chances are it's the Hebrew word has said. It is my favorite Hebrew word. It's a covenant word. It's, 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 a, it's a deep, deep word with all kinds of meaning attached to it. And translators, they struggle to translate it because it can't be summed up in one simple word. And so it could mean mercy. It could mean grace. It could mean kindness. It's often translated loving kindness. It could just be love, but all wrapped up in a covenant sense, which means it's something that God has promised to do. 
It's something that God says, I'll never stop doing. It's who he is. And so this loving kindness, this has said, this covenantal love means that God has bound himself to love you forever. He made a promise to do that. And I believe he made that promise not for him, his sake, but for our confidence. Have you ever wondered, God, have I done, have I done it, gone too far? Maybe I've done too much. God, there's no coming back from this one. And what does God say? It's not about you, son. It's not about you, my child. It's what, what I've done. It's what I've promised. And I will love you because I 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 love you. And I will be faithful to the end of the days to do that. His faithfulness is to all generations. He didn't, he didn't forget about the promise he made in the garden. He didn't forget about the promise he made to Abraham that he repeated over and over and over again. And that promise was for you and I, for the whole world would be redeemed. He's faithful. And so as we close, and yes, we're closing early this morning, not doing one hour again last week. But as we close, one of the things that kind of moved me towards this passage is, is God kept reminding me of a, a video and you've, you've probably seen it countless times, but it's, it's such a powerful video. And so um, I'm just gonna let it speak for itself. Is that a nice chair? Yeah. Yeah, is it better than the one you have at home? Yeah, you have a chair. Yeah. No way. Remember, mom and dad bought it for you. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Who am I? I'm your dad. You know, you have two sisters, too. Oh my God! Where are they? Well, they're at work. Oh they gotta God! Work. I can't believe it. And you have a dog. Oh Is that cool? Oh He's a big dog. Oh my God! I love big dog. Do you remember his name? What's his name? His name is Bane. Oh my God! The white Batman. Oh, there's a lot of garbage on the internet, but every so often you find a gem, right? This poor kid coming out of dental procedure and doesn't know who he is or anything, but the sheer joy, the sheer joy at the simplest of things. I have a mom. I have a dad, I have a sisters, I have a, I have a dog. The simplest of things. I have a chair. The simplest of things brought him joy. And, and for you and I, we've got way bigger things to celebrate. Please understand, maybe, maybe you're an orphan. Maybe, maybe your mom and dad have passed. Maybe you're an only child. 
if you don't have a dog or even a chair. But I promise you, you have more. You have so much more that we can be thankful for. And I'm not talking just about, you know, the fact that we have roofs over our head or food on our table or, or some friends that we can call from time to time. Those are important. But like this kid who saw the simple things and rejoiced, let us not lose sight of the simple things that are the spiritual truths. You and I are redeemed. We were lost and now we're found. And we belong to God and to his family. We have a hope and we have a future. No matter what you're going through in this world, even if it is truly hell on earth, it is not the final statement of your life. These are present momentary sufferings that do not compare to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. There's so much more to come. Even when things are rough, we have the knowledge that our father is always, always working. And he's always, always purposing things for our good, for his glory. That one truth gives me hope. No matter what I'm enduring through, no matter what I'm going through, my God is working. He is working and he will use it. He will flip it to my good and to his his glory. And one day we will reign with him. We will reign with him and there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow. And even today, right now, this is amazing. You and I, we get to walk with God like Enoch. Think about that. We get to walk with God like Paul did and Peter and John. We get to walk with God that way because where does he live now? In you and you and him. You got 24 seven access to him. No barrier, no separation. We get to walk with God through everything. And so now he lives in me, Christ in and through me. So I don't face these challenges on my own. I don't face the grief, the struggles, the difficult difficulties, the disappointments. Christ in me can. And I'm loved. I'm always loved. I'm never alone. I am precious to the most high God. And so are you. So I thought we'd invite the worship team to come back up here. And we're going to close with a couple songs. Because I thought the only way to really properly end this morning is to follow what this psalm has told us. To shout with joy. And again, if, if, if God is moving something within your spirit, sing out. Shout out for it. Just celebrate all that God's doing. Serve him with gladness. Enter his presence. Come face to face with him with singing. Let's bless his name. And let's exalt and glorify his goodness. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. 
You are loved. Take care.